On today's show, I'm going to be talking with Albert Artis. He is a singer, songwriter, minister, and gospel recording artist. His latest single is I Feel Your Love. We're going to talk about that and much more. So welcome to the show, Albert. Wow, thank you so much. I love that introduction. Thank you for having me on. Well, I love your last name. Did I pronounce that right? You did. So artist. many people, so many people uh, uh, pronounce it like artiste. So no, you actually said it. It's perfect. Because it's like artist, except without a T at the end, which is kind of appropriate since you're a musical artist now. Yes. Yeah. Um, I love it. You know, I also, you know, I haven't uh, uh, painted in years, but I was an artist in the sense that I used to uh, do uh, pastel, oil paintings. Uh, I, I used to love drawing uh, pencil uh, drawings. I used to do all that when I was young, competitions and things like that. So a lot of people thought I would go in the direction, maybe like a cartoon artist or something like that. Uh, but my real passion has always been music. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm real curious because, you know, I talked to a lot of different musicians, all different genres, but it's really nice to talk to somebody, you know, doing gospel. So get us all up to speed. What is the state of the art of the gospel music industry right now? Wow. That's probably a bigger question uh, than I can answer. <laughs> I know. Here you are, Albert. You have to be the authority on the entire industry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it's, it's so interesting that, you know, at this stage in my life, I really um, wasn't really pursuing trying to be a recording artist. Um, I really was just really from a ministry perspective, you know, say, you know what, I'm a singer, you know, I'm a minister, I preach the gospel, but I also, I'm a singer. And that has always been my passion. So I really was looking at myself more as um, just presenting the word in song, uh, just the same as I do it, you know, behind a pulpit or anywhere that I have an opportunity to share the gospel. So I really wasn't pursuing, you know, even though that has always, from a very young age, been my dream is to be a recording artist. But life has a way of kind of putting us on a detour. We're going different direction. But I was like, you know what? It's, it's now or never. So as far as the gospel music industry, wow. Um, I love gospel. I love uh, gospel music. Uh, but as I was saying, I've never really, uh, in the latter years here, I haven't really looked into like, like trying to jump into the industry. Uh, mm -hmm. I know the music industry has completely changed. And that's why, you know, it's a little easier for me to even do what I'm doing now, being an independent artist. And because the, uh, the game has changed. Um, for as all the different social media outlets and platforms uh, where you can put your music. Um, so I'm not an authority that I can give you like where the gospel music industry is at this moment. Um, I know it's, it is thriving. Um, it has changed so much. You know, in my era, when I grew up, the gospel music 
industry was just choirs and uh, it was mass choirs and all these different kinds of choirs. And now things have moved more into praise and worship and uh, solo artists and uh, not so much the choirs. And uh, I used to love that. So, um, so that's probably maybe kind of my answer on that. No, I, I, I like that. I like how you distinguish it used to be more choirs. Now gospel touches upon almost any genre, you know, can be incorporated into gospel music. You know, not just, you know, even R&B, but, you know, rock and, you know, country. Yeah. And, and it just seems like there's such a wide spectrum of styles now. Yes. And, you know, even, you know, my style, I struggle uh, with where do I even fit with gospel music? Uh, um, I feel like some of my sound sound popular, like um, kind of like popular um, secular kind of style. But you know, but even within gospel, you do have the pop sound, you have the rock sound, you have the uh, <laughs> you might have bluegrass, you have southern gospel, you have within gospel. I feel like the flavor for other genres of, of music is all in gospel music. But I struggle, like, what is my sound and where do I fit? And so the best that I can do is say, you know what? I'm just going to be me. I don't know where I fit completely um, as a baritone. Uh, growing up in the Black Gospel Church, um, they mostly like to teach three-part harmonies. So there wasn't a place really for the baritone. And so I've always felt a little unique and different because I didn't completely fit just the, the natural mode of what everyone was looking for. Mm -hmm. Well, one name really jumped out at me in your biography when you're telling your story of how this came to be. Mm -hmm. And it seems like at one point in your life, there was a woman who had an influence on you. Her name is Candy Staten. Mm -hmm. And great story, you know, R&B singer had, you know, a lot of crossover and just breakout success in the 70s and beyond. And then uh, started recording uh, gospel, just more, uh, you know, Christian albums. Mm -hmm. And kind of, you know, as someone who has, you know, a foot in, in, in both, both sides of the music industry. And I think, uh, didn't she become a minister also? Yeah, she was actually my pastor for um, maybe about five years. Um, uh, that's actually how I met and got to know her and her son, Marcus, and her, and her entire family, actually, um, is I started attending their church. I didn't even know she was a pastor. Her and her husband at the time, John Suswell, uh, they pastored together. And, um, and of course, that ended, you know, in, you know, when they got divorced. Uh, but um, that's how I got to know the family. And that's probably been, wow, close to 30 years ago. And I didn't know Candy as a secular artist because I, my background is, is church. I grew up in church. We lived in church. <laughs> All I knew was church. So when Candy did her first gospel album, the first one that I know of in like early 80s, I was a teenager. She, uh, 
I fell in love with her. I thought, I'm like, wow, this lady is beautiful. Uh, I love her um, songwriting ability. It's just that all those songs on that first, it was called Make Me an Instrument. I just felt like it was so creative, uh, the different styles of the songs and the lyrics in the songs. And I was really inspired. Of it. I had no idea that I actually would get to meet her and know her personally and her entire family. Um, so that was like early 90s um, when I met them. So I've known them uh, for almost 30 years. Now, was she someone who encouraged you to record? Um, the encouragement um, came more from her son, Marcus. Mm -hmm. um, I was inspired by Candy, obviously. Um, she was a great inspiration. But her son, Marcus, is actually the one that took me under his wings, took me in the studio, and I did my first recordings. Uh, Marcus produced the songs and got my feet wet and showed me what the process was all about helped me learn how to put my songs together and uh, become a songwriter. Uh, I, I, I sang all the um, songs in the studio. So Marcus is the one um, that kind of nurtured me. Mm -hmm. Well, it must have been very, you know, flattering to, you know, right off the bat, you know, have the help of sort of a, a musical legacy you know, did you feel some of that through Marcus? Just the you know, the strength of, you know, people with all this experience and, you I know, did. people have, and, and not just the music side, but, you know, the practical side, you know, navigate through the industry and, you know, the practical side of recording. It was, um, it was, first of all, it was very flattering because I was like, wow, like, Marcus at the time and still is, uh, was an established drummer, producer. He had worked with some of everybody in the industry. He'd also trained a lot of uh, drummers that were playing like for Prince and Michael Jackson, stuff like that. Marcus was, <laughs> Marcus, you know, is the man. So knowing that Candy and Marcus, they, you know, out there in 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 this industry and know so many people, I'm like they looking at me and like see talent. <laughs> yes, so it was very inspiring and very um, encouraging that Marcus saw something in me that he wanted to work with me and say, I believe that there's something there. So yes, mm -hmm. it I, I can't even tell you how you know when you're doing this, you have so many letdowns. You uh, the music industry. You get out, you try uh, to put yourself out there, and when things fail or uh, a group that you were trying to put together, because, you know, I tried to uh, put choirs together, groups together, and they would get started, but they would never come to the place where I wanted it to go. Uh, singing with my siblings, I wanted to do a group at a time with my siblings. We could never get that really going, going. So it was just like, uh, so when Marcus came along, um, it was very inspiring and it gave me that extra thing that there is something there that I do have something to offer the world. Mm -hmm. Well, there's an interesting story about the creation of I Feel Your Love, uh, which I want you to expand on. I know that it was, it's been years in the making 
And didn't part of the original idea come when you were in church and mm-hmm. uh, and a pastor asked you to kind of sing like a snippet of something during the service? Yes. I was do leading worship in a service. And this is like a prophetic service where they move into prophetic, where they prophesy and do things. And this pastor looked at me and said, start singing like a wave of the sea. And this was a, a lady pastor and she couldn't sing at all. And so she said, I hear like a wave of the sea. So she told me to start singing it. So I started singing that and I was so moved as I was singing those words that there was something in me that says, wow, there, there's a song here. And for years, I tried to write a song, right? <laughs> you know, like write lyrics to this song, like uh, even the melody, because the melody is different than what she originally said to me. She just told me to sing and I just still sing like a wave of the sea. And so for years, I was trying to write it with that melody and nothing will come, just nothing. And believe it or not, I hate to even say it, seven years later, Oh, wow. Seven years after that experience. When I say it was a very powerful, moving experience, uh, I literally could feel God's presence when she was saying like a wave. And that's really where it came from, like a wave, like feeling his love like a wave. And seven years later, out of nowhere, the melody, the lyrics, everything just came to me all at once. And I believe it happened because I grew and matured in my faith and walk with God. From that point, and before that, my perspective on God was like, you have to earn God's love. You have to, I didn't really know anything about his grace, his unconditional love that we don't have to perform for God to love us. He's our creator. He loves us because he's God. And and it wasn't until I began to learn about his grace, uh, about um, in and of ourselves, we can never earn right standing with God. You know, and that's where Jesus comes in. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But it's free. You can't earn it. There's nothing. You can't be good enough for it. It's just a gift from God. So when I really understood that, that's when I believe the song came to me, because if I had written a song at any other time in my life, it would it would have been more about help me, forgive me. I'm not good. It, it wouldn't have been about just receiving the goodness of God, receiving his love. That it's unconditional. We can't earn it. He loves us. It would have been, I don't know what it would have been about, but it wouldn't have been about the free, the unconditional love of God that we can't earn it. He loves us in spite of ourselves. We we never be good enough. We can't earn it. And it's all free. So that's the, uh, the, the real core message of the song, that God loves us unconditional. It's free. No matter, I, I can fall a <laughs> hundred times. And he just like, get up, dust yourself off. I still love you. You're my child. Mm-hmm. I'm curious about the gospel choir experience 
there at uh -huh. church because obviously you practice and prepare songs uh -huh. but it seems like there's also a spontaneous quality to it you know uh -huh. when you're saying the pastor asks you to you know do this one line and kind of go with it explain that is it a little bit improvisation is it um you know spirit filled you know how 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 are you moved you know in those moments to perform you know what's going on in, in your mind and body and soul i have to tell you in that time of my life um uh, kind of like anything that helps you grow that period of my life was very uncomfortable. <laughs> it was very uncomfortable standing in front of people and singing. And so it helped me to get comfortable standing in front of people, but it was spontaneous. Let's say the pastor was up, you know, exalting, you know, um, you know, saying, lift your hands, praise God, worship God, love him, you know, so she's exalting, you know, giving praise to God. And then she begins to hear something in her spirit. She hears these words, like a wave of the sea. And she starts trying to sing it, but like I said, she's not a singer. So she looks at me and say, sing this. So then I just start singing, you know, the words that she gave me. I start singing the song. And in that moment, I feel God's presence. His spirit in a way that I've never felt before. Uh, that it was an experience that was completely new to me. Um, I, in the core of my being, you know, we're spirit, soul, and body. And our spirit is, I believe, is the real us. We live, our spirit lives in this house, what we call the body. So what I, what happened to me in that service is that I felt something in my spirit. And it was overwhelming. So I began to sing like a wave of the sea, and it was so emotional, I, I, I just couldn't even hardly stand to even uh, physically stand while I was uh, singing. It was just something that moved my spirit, soul, and body. And so it was spontaneous. Um, but in that type of service, um, you don't never know what's going to happen. <laughs> it, things do be spontaneous. In my home church that I actually belonged to at that time, um, things were more conservative, orderly, uh, and I still belong to that same church. I've been in that church over 20 years. Uh, it's, it's more conservative. It's a, a non-denominational church. Um, but, you know, we still move in the spirit and believe in the spirit. But that type of church, there are more just see what happens and just go in that direction. You, you don't know what's going to happen in the service. That was very uncomfortable to me. I wasn't, uh, I grew up Pentecostal holiness uh, in those types of services, but I was a child. I wasn't an adult <laughs> up doing things. I was just a, a, a spectator. I was looking. Uh, but as an, uh, an adult singer participating in the worship, I wasn't used to being in those particular type of services and it was very uncomfortable. But yes, it was spontaneous. It was uh, wow, that was uh, um, uh, exciting and, and frightening. Frightening, mm -hmm. frightening from the point of it's moving me out of my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that answered your question or not. And, and do you think you needed to be a little uncomfortable to, to prompt you to grow? 
Yes, absolutely. I think all of us, if we're going to grow, if we're going to really become who I believe God created us to be, I believe all of us are created with a purpose uh, in life that our creator has a plan and purpose for all of us. Uh, just like what you're doing now. In order for you to do what you're doing now, there was a time, you know, you know, I don't know you. So I would say most of the time, the areas that we're gifted in, a lot of times are the areas that we have to overcome our fear or something that prevents us from stepping out there. You know, maybe you was just over aggressive and you you knew all this kind of stuff and you was just love the crowd. You know, that could be the way also. But I know with me, the people, you know, that I kind of, you know, observed in life, a lot of times the things that we are called to do, there is opposition and a lot of times things that want to prevent us or almost like forces that we have to push through and say, I'm going to do this because I believe this is where my heart is. This is what I believe I was created to do. And in trying to do that, you have to overcome all kinds of things before you finally get there. And I feel like that's what has happened to me, you know, at this stage. I pretty much, you know, wasn't really looking at myself as a recording artist. But because it's what I was created to do, the dream never dies. You do know? you think the dream never died? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, when you say that, it makes me think that maybe we overanalyze things sometimes. Like you're talking about a church service, mm -hmm. you know, someone's preaching, talking, people are listening, sorting it out in their head. But there just seems <laughs> to be something about music that cuts through that. Like it's yes. a pure communication and you experience it. You're not just passively listening, but you're participating. Yes. That is the one thing that I absolutely love about music. When, you know, I had a lady, I wrote this song called Stay on the Road. And I used to sing it at family gatherings. And this lady that was a friend of the family, she would always, every time she saw me, she would come up to me, Albert, sing Stay on the Road. And I would almost be like, this lady leave me alone. You know, like, <laughs> I just like, why she wants me to sing this song every time she see me. And it wasn't until years later when I had lost touch with her, I heard that she was in the hospital. And I heard that um, she was fighting uh, HIV. She had HIV and uh, at the time, it probably was during the time when she first found out that she had, uh, she was HIV positive and she had had some type of setback and no one really knew at the time that she was dealing with AIDS. And when she got in the hospital, that's when it came out. And the first thing came to me is how this lady just always will want me to sing the song, Stay on the Road. And when I thought about what she was going through, it just made me think like, wow, that's why music, you know, you never know what you're doing, how it affects people. And when I see how music, like you say, cut through 
the chain. It cuts through everything and it goes like straight through the heart of a person. When a person can connect with what you're doing as an artist, um, that's why it's very important to me to do what I believe I was created to do because I feel like if I don't, uh, someone that needs to hear what I have, what I have is not for everyone, but it is for someone. And there's people out there just like her, uh, whether they're going through a storm and hearing the song, stay on the road, encourage them to keep fighting, or whether it's uh, uh, something that uplifts someone, it's, it's a joyful beat that puts someone in a good mood. Whatever it is, uh, music has the ability to just connect people, to bring the walls down, almost like a comedian. When comedians get up and, and tell a joke, it cuts the ice and people relax and then they start to fellowship, put the walls down and you get to know each other because you have a common ground of something like either comedian or music and other things that does that does the same thing. Have you ever heard about people who have Alzheimer's and they don't respond to anything, but then someone will sing to them or they'll hear an old song, you know, they knew from when they were younger and they just light up. And a lot of times they can, you know, remember all the lyrics, like they can't remember anything else, but they can remember the lyrics to music and start singing. Yes. Um, I'm actually dealing with um, my dad is in the early stage of Alzheimer's. And um, so I actually just took him to the doctor uh, before this interview. And um, he's doing great now. Uh, once he got on the medication, he um, his memory and things are better. He's, he's like a normal person now. But before it was just like he was going somewhere. But it's like he's come back in himself now. But yes, I've totally heard of that. And um, and I only can, I guess I can say, I'm not looking forward to the day uh, that that happens to my dad. Um, you know, we believe in the power of prayer. So we're constantly praying. To me, where he is now, he's like himself now. So we feel like he came back from where it was he was once we got him on medication. So we're so thankful for that. But um, yes, I do believe that's the power of music. And I believe things like that happens because it touches a person's spirit. And when they hear that, that spirit person that's inside that shell of a body, some kind of way comes out when they hear that song, when they hear that music and it comes through and touches their spirit in some kind of way it makes them react to it mm -hmm. so yeah on your social media you put a lot of inspirational quotes some words of encouragement so i think how you <laughs> you tag it yeah. at the bottom and especially yes. on instagram i noticed uh, a lot some are bible verses but you also quote c.s lewis and mm -hmm. and one of the quotes by him was you are never too old to set another goal <laughs> or dream a new dream. And that seems, is that hit home with you? Yes, totally. Um, I feel like that's exactly what I'm doing right now with my life. You know, because things 
you know, things haven't gone the way that I I planned. You know, like um, I can't remember to say it now. They say, you know, like we make plans, and you know, maybe God laughs at our plans. You know, mm-hmm. it's that we have uh, we make plans to do things all the time, and life is, can just be complicated, and we never know where we would where we end up. You know, I've traveled uh, like all over the world and I never knew that that was going to happen. Um, but it, it was amazing having the opportunity to travel. And um, so, yes, I believe that life is about the pandemic proved it about resetting. Looking at where you are now and saying, like, what is my new goal? What is it that I believe with it, where I'm at in life now? Because what I dreamed yesterday may not be appropriate appropriate for where I am now. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I believe we have to dream new dreams. And if we're never too old to do that because so many people in life stop dreaming. And life is an adventure. And I always was used to say the best adventure is a God adventure because you don't know completely what the next adventure is going to be, but I do know it's going to move you out of your comfort zone. It's going to stretch you a little bit and you're going to grow and be better from the experience. Well, here's almost a companion quote to that first one. It's also by C.S. Lewis. And it's on your Instagram, and it says, there are far, far better things ahead than any we leave behind. And, and I like that because it brings up the whole idea of why do people hold on to old things that aren't serving them? Like if they just let them go, they could have things that are so much better. Mm-hmm. I think part of that is because it's comfortable it's it's a place of comfort to because you know to let go means you have to face um and deal with what's in front of you and many times it's more comfortable to hold on what we need to turn loose than it is to stretch and dream a new dream and move forward because just because something can be what you're supposed to do doesn't mean that it's going to be easy and a lot of times it's harder in the beginning it is it's hard to forgive it's hard to say okay this fell this is not working um it's hard to move on but what we find out it gets easier once we take the first step and practice or make that uh, it a, um, a lifestyle to move forward, look at yourself, examine um, where you come from, what you were in and where you wanna go, and then make the hard choice to deal with uh, issues and things that are preventing you from moving forward. I guess the biggest thing is that it's not easy to move forward. It's, it's more comfortable to stay where we are than it is to stretch ourselves and do something different. 
What I think part of the challenge is it's not that everything we leave behind is a bad thing, but maybe sometimes we have like too many good things. And sometimes we just have to choose. Well, I got to concentrate on one at a time. And to do that, I have to sacrifice another good thing. Um, yeah. Um, I love that perspective because, you know, everything is not bad. You know, there is good things can keep you, you know, we can get comfortable in something because we're having success. We have, we have a great life where we are now, but the problem is, is that we're no longer growing. We're no longer uh, stretching ourselves and expanding. And, you know, you know, to do that, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, life has to change drastically, but I feel like anything that is not moving forward is really going backwards. Um, so I think it's important for us to always continue to, to grow and look at ourselves because like you just said it could be good things you know we could be having uh we could have a really good life things are great but we're not moving forward we're just comfortable with where we are so i think it goes e either way but i think mm -hmm. it's still just as important to grow even if you're having your best life now life is still better than what you're experiencing now. Mm -hmm. All right, I'll share just one more of your words of encouragement from your Instagram. And again, you know, these are words of advice to everyone, but I'm curious, you know, what they mean to you personally too, because I have a mm -hmm. feeling, maybe you also pick these because these have resonated with you and you have mm -hmm. personal experience, but there's one from 1 Corinthians, very simple and to the point, love keeps no record of wrongdoings and 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 beautiful in its simplicity but isn't that something we all have trouble with you know at some point in our lives we all keep score we all want you know retribution we all want to set things right you know what does that that quote mean to you like you said, it's very straightforward. It, it means to, to me exactly what it says, to, that love keeps no record of wrong. And when I think of that, what I think of is God. And as children of God, we want to be like our father. But in our fallen state of humanity, um, it's not as easy for us to do that. So, um, yes, I connect, relate to that. All of us at times in life have been hurt, um, have been mistreated, uh, have suffered some type of injustice. And if we don't learn to release things and not harbor in our heart, things that people have done or just bad experience, it really works as a cancer in us. And so many people don't understand that when you actually release things, let things go, you're really helping yourself. Um, you know, it's a proven fact that 
when um, scientifically that when we hold grief and uh, anger and bitterness and things like that in us, it affects our physical body. And so the scripture um, actually is something that if we actually could do, we spirit, soul, and body can benefit from it. I have so many friends and people that I know and have known over the years that when I have shared with them to forgive, to release, they refuse to do that. And mm -hmm. the only person that you're really hurting when you do that is yourself. The other person sometimes don't even know that they've done you wrong. And if they do know, many times they don't care. They all enjoying their life, doing what they're doing, and you are still over here holding on to that somebody did something wrong to you or and you won't release it and let it go. But I think when we do that, we're being like God. Um, uh, the, the Bible talks about fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. If we want peace, <laughs> it's, it, first, it starts in us. And we have the ability to forgive and release things. The thing of it is, it feels good to hold on to and want to punish people and feel like, well, I'm going to get justice for this. And some things on this side of heaven, we may never really actually get justice or even understand why some things happen to us. And we have to be okay with that. You're not going to understand all the wrongs and everything. Life is complicated. And even people, when bad things happen to us, many times people are acting out of their hurt and things that have happened to them. So the best I can do is I know personally that I have done people wrong. Just like I say someone has done me wrong, I have did somebody wrong. And just like I want forgiveness for the bad things or things that I did that was injustice to someone, I'm going to also extend that and give that as well. Mm -hmm. On your YouTube channel, you have a video called Mistaken Identity, which seems mm -hmm. like you know a, a talk, basically an on-camera talk you gave. And mm -hmm. you talk about gentleness, and you mm -hmm. make the distinction that some people mistake gentleness for weakness but it's mm -hmm. actually uh, a strength and a way you choose, you know, to exercise self-control. So mm -hmm. I want you to t tell me what are your thoughts on that? Well, um, yeah, gentleness, um, when I explained it, it was saying it's like strength under control. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we can look at it as weakness but it, it's kind of like what I'm talking about. And even with love keeps no record of wrong. See, people think because you give a kind word when, when they are, when let's say someone is being rude to you or, uh, and you choose not to react, but to respond to the situation. Most of us, when things happen to us, we react to what happens to us. We just have a knee jerk reaction. And, and it is whatever it is. But uh, a person that operates in gentleness and self-control, 
they will respond to the situation. And I believe it's like, um, when you don't immediately react to something, you can process the situation and then you can respond to it in the appropriate way. And many times is that is you take away the power of the moment from the situation, the negative part of the situation, and you actually can even change the complete atmosphere in a room just by how you respond. But many, many times, you know, people will look at that, you're weak, um, you're letting people run over you, you're not taking control of the situation. See, a lot of times we look at, if you're the dominant, if you come across as this dominant personality and take control of the situation that, uh, that you win, but many times you actually lose because a lot of times in situations like that, nothing is resolved. And a kind, gentle person, uh, I'd rather be that person and maybe it looks like or someone maybe take advantage of the situation or feel like they got the upper end of me. I'd rather be that person than be the person that flies off the handle and don't have any type of control. Mm -hmm. You know, and I don't want to generalize, but, you know, if you watch the news, you watch social media, you know, we're just so bombarded with a lot of angry people. And sometimes it's hard to know, is it justified? Is it not justified? But at what point, even if some anger is justified, at what point are we not helping the problem? And at what point are we hurting ourselves by being perpetually angry? That's that's one of those questions I would have to marinate on. <laughs> <laughs> for, for seven years, maybe? You know, I am a processor. I process mm -hmm. everything. And um, part of that um, is some things I have to actually really think about. And, you know, we could get off this conversation and after we're done, all of these things will come to me about what you just said to me. Mm -hmm. um, but just an immediate answer to what you're saying. Um, of course, you know, there there have been, there are wrongs, people are wrong, things happen, and um, and there should be justice in, in some situations and stuff. But uh, yes, there are a lot of angry people. Uh, many times are not trying to resolve anything. They're just trying to express their anger. They're just trying to, um, uh, explode and but maybe without a purpose and i'm more of i like to communicate i never say anything even when i'm upset i never say anything without thinking about what i'm gonna say before i say it if i say something to you when i'm angry it's because i wanted to say it i thought about it while we was arguing or i thought about why we was having this discussion and I thought about the effect of it, how it would impact you when I say it. So I'm, I just process everything. That's the way my brain works. And so I'm never angry and just flying off the handle. So mm -hmm. when I see people on the news, and to be honest with you, I, 
the most news that I watch is just probably what comes across my phone, and I may look at that. I don't watch the evening the uh, national news. I don't watch the news channels. Um, my brother is the complete opposite of me. He listens to talk shows, watch news all day long. And what, but what I found out from that is it actually does what you are actually seeing uh, on the news and stuff. It stirs up anger uh, in, an, in an individual. And I've noticed with myself, when you pack yourself full of negative stuff, you will begin, eventually, it, it'll start to affect you. And you will find yourself being like what you're feeling yourself. So if I watch a lot of angry things or hear a lot of negative things, I will start to be negative or angry. And I don't like those feelings. I don't like being angry or if I'm trying to share my perspective on something, I'm doing it from an angry, harsh, uh, uh, the way that I'm expressing myself. And I think that's what happens on the news. We forget about the actual issues and people are just so angry and and I hate to even say the word politics, um, but I look at politics in the same way. I just, I can't fill myself up with the stuff that I see in the media. I try to stay informed, but simply for what you were saying, that everyone seems so angry, but no one is actually trying to resolve the issues and problems I don't like feeling myself up with it. I don't mm-hmm. watch it. Mm-hmm. I don't watch it. I don't listen to it. I um, try to be as formed as the best I can and deal with anything I think that affects or in my world, uh, in my life. Um, but I think there's just too much of that. And I think a lot of times people can even feel the same way about an issue, but they're not even listening to each other. Um, you know, I mentioned politics. I can be talking to someone that I share the same um, belief or value what they're saying, but they're so angry, I can't even talk to them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I don't know where we're going in that. I don't know where the world is going. Uh, Obviously, from my perspective, I believe Christ is the answer. God is the answer for uh, these bad emotions and things that we feel, but even within the church. Um, and that's why we need to words of encouragement. We need words of encouragement. We need to teach the word is that even in church, Bible believing people do the same thing. They're very angry. They don't deal with their emotions. Um, they, they're um, one-sided. They're not trying to communicate, come across the line and try to reason together. Um, I think even in the church, um, it the church acts the same way in many respects as uh, secular or the rest of uh, non-believers, so to speak. So I believe it's a really huge issue. Uh, I think there's an escalation of violence. Uh, you know, I'm in Atlanta. Um, I can't tell you the the crime in Atlanta to me, is off the charts. Um, I hate to even say this on this podcast, but uh, someone pulled a gun on me um, 
September of 21, um, I think they was trying to steal my vehicle um, that I was driving, but I didn't fall for what they were doing. I drove off, and when I drove off, they shot a gun at me and shot a um, a bullet in the door, and and the uh, the hinge or of the door is what stopped the bullet. If it went in the window, the side, anywhere else, I probably would have got hit. But because of where it went, it immediately stopped the bullet. Wow. So I, there is a lot of violence, crime. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on. People are so angry. And even in that situation, I did absolutely nothing wrong. Someone wanted to either steal from me or they wanted to rob me or do something. And because I didn't allow them to do that, they still try to kill me. So, wow. so and, and in spite of that, you've not given up hope. Absolutely not. Where will we be without hope? Um, I'm very excited about life. Um, you know, we can have the tendency to get caught up in the, the day-to-day routine. And if we allow ourselves, we can get stressed and caught up in the daily routine of things. But the bigger picture, because I had one of my siblings, he asked me, are you happy about what's going on? <laughs> And I was like, of course, I got all these things going on. I'm like, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. The things behind the scenes, I got this going on. And then I thought about the next day doing something completely opposite. What she said to me came back to me. And I thought about what she said. And I was like, she's absolutely right. Even though I'm doing the, the, nuts, the nuts and bolts of what has to be done, you still have to make sure you are enjoying what you're doing and that you're projecting that, that it's not burdensome to do something that I absolutely enjoy doing. I love singing, I love sharing the word, and yeah, there's things uh, that I have to do, but I, you know, you, the things behind the scene could be stretching me, uh, and I think that's what she was seeing, stretching me, uh, you know, forcing me to grow some, moving me out of my comfort zone even more, but, that has to happen. And we don't have to have a negative attitude or even come across that we're not enjoying what we're doing. We can even be positive even in that because it's a good stretching. Uh, it's a good moving me out of my comfort zone. So I need to look at that in a positive way and be happy about it. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, uh, I wanna wrap up by talking about the making of the music video for I Feel uh-huh. Your Love. But before yes. we do, uh, I'd like you to share where can people find you online and, and learn more about your music? Um, well, they can find me on, as you kind of said, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I recently <laughs> created a TikTok, but, you know, I'm not uh, technic. How do you say that? Technologically? <laughs> there you go. You're not a you're not a 13 year old, so you don't know how to do TikTok. <laughs> Exactly. But I'm learning. Uh, Matter of fact, it was uh, my 14 year old niece that actually um, helped me create my uh, TikTok account. (laughs) So I'm learning. 
that's what it takes is a young person i because I, I don't even know how to navigate through tiktok exactly so they can find <laughs> me on on all of that they can find me on youtube uh my music is on apple music spotify uh, all of that so i have my own youtube channel which is uh, albert artist um, and you can find me on youtube so yeah that, that's how you can get me Excellent. Music is so you can you can find uh, my single. I feel your love across the platforms. Is that exciting? Yeah. Like to think, wow, my song's on Spotify. It's even more exciting. Yes. Well, let me say yes. When I released it, initially released it, it was very exciting. Um, but what's even more exciting is to do things like what we're doing right now, and. Um, um, introducing myself, letting people, you know, get to know a little bit who I am. Um, so, yes. Excellent. Just the tip of the iceberg. I know you'll be doing lots more. So, in I Feel Your Love, which started with this line, you know, talking about the wave, mm -hmm. and it's, I guess it was inevitable you, you know, film this on the beach in front of the waves. Yes. That was always my desire is for it to be on the beach and for uh, for the cast, if you want to put it that way, for all of us to be dressed in white. Other than that, that was the most of my vision. I heavily depended on Marcus and Brian to catch the vision of the waves of the sea and uh, so I kind of really gave the creative control to them and that necessarily wasn't an easy thing to do, but even with the producing of the song, since I wrote the song so many years ago, I actually came to Marcus and told Marcus, I want you to produce this and I just want to give you free range to, to kind of redo this song and rework it and just make it current and the same with the video. I gave him uh, creative control to just do, and it was hard for me to relax, but working with Marcus is, you know, like working with family. Uh, Marcus is like my brother. Uh, I've known him so many years. And uh, so I knew I was in a safe place, but even being in a safe place, it's often still hard to release control. But I made myself do that because I knew Marcus have a wealth of experience. And what I was leaning more on is his knowledge and his experience. And I said, I got to trust that. So mm -hmm. we shot the video in Savannah, uh, Georgia. And, um, and it was an amazing experience. It was my first video and I didn't know what to expect completely. But it was amazing. We are, the young ladies were telling me like, uh, you've like, you've done this before. And I said, no, we're <laughs> all in the same boat. We're, we're all, cause they had never did a video as well. So we all were just following directions, doing Mar what Marcus told us to do and Brian. And, but there was such a spirit of uh, unity, excitement, uh, it was like hanging out for a couple of days on the beach and um, just having a great time. 
So it was fun. Nice. We are talking about, you know, you're all in white. And it's funny because when I think of, you know, gospel, body of water, people dressed in white, I automatically think of like an old school baptism. You know, you know, take, taking people out to the river or, you know, did it have a little feel of that to you? You know what? You should have been in the making of the video because I love that concept. That would have been amazing to have that in the video as well. I would have loved to have a scene like that to where uh, we were showing a baptism. Uh, that would have been amazing. <laughs> See, now you have your concept for the follow-up video. <laughs> I love that. Yes. Well, what's so, been the response so far? I mean, you've started to share it. You know, now it's out there for the world to see. What, what's been the feedback? Um, you know, initially, I was uh, we were doing a lot of advertising, you know, uh, like Africa, Europe, um, uh, Canada. And I got a um, mixture of kind of things. Um, uh, you know, some of the feedback that I got was, wow, if there's one lady told me, she said, I've never heard such a beautiful voice anywhere. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I, yeah, that was my response. So, you know, that was very encouraging. Uh, another lady reached out to me uh, uh, and her mother passed after she reached out to me uh she actually was in the uh in in radio um and she's in she was in she's in marketing and radio actually in the atlanta area as well and she reached out to me and said that that was her now her favorite video and song and she said she listened to it every day she said that um her mother was very sick and it was very difficult for her and the song uh, was very encouraging to her and uplifting and inspiring to her. So it was helping her through a very difficult time of her mom being sick. And her mom passed away uh, uh, not that long ago. Uh, but she told me that she would listen to my song every day. Oh, um, that must have really been touching. I had one other story that I thought was um, uh, a chaplain at like uh, an airport, uh, someone that my sister knew, my sister sent her a link to the song. And right at the time she got the link, she had a guy in her office that was um, contemplating suicide. And he was very upset and disturbed. And for some reason, when she saw that came, you know, when it came through on her phone, she tapped on it and opened it up. And the song began to play. And she said the entire atmosphere in the room changed. And the guy calmed down. And she was able to help him and resolve. So she she reached out to my sister and said, you know, like, I don't even know why I went in the thing. But thank you for sending that to me. Because it turned a, a really a bad situation into something good. And the guy calmed down. And she was able to get him under control. Wow, he started listening to the song. Now that's a testimonial. Yeah. 
So when I heard that, I was like, wow. So to me, it's kind of like what you said early, that music has the ability to cut through and go straight through to a person. And when I heard that, I'm like, you don't know when you step out and do what you believe you're called to do, who is going to affect in a positive way, who lives could possibly be changed. We look at, you know, ourselves and think like, well, how can I make a difference? Like what and what I'm doing, how is it going to impact anyone? And I've heard these things that I share. These are like real people telling me these story. And I look like, and I feel like that, you know, this is like, um, <laughs> I'm trying to build my audience. I'm trying to grow and expand. And even at the level where I am right now, I'm having a positive impact in people's lives. So when your siblings saw this, did they think, oh, boy, all those years ago when Albert asked us to form a, a family <laughs> music group, maybe we should have done that. Um, that's a great question. I don't know about that, but I do know one of my sisters, I asked her to be in the video and she said yes. And then she didn't. Uh, she wasn't. Uh, she dropped out at the last minute and I had to get someone else to be in the video. Okay. And after she saw it, I think it was that type of. Uh, <laughs> Just darn it. That yes. was a missed opportunity. So now she wants to be in my next video. <laughs> well, there you go. There's always another video. Well, the people you did get for it, how were they involved? Were they just in the video or were they part of the um, recording? All of them was just in the video. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I um, Two of the young ladies are actual singers. Um, both of the young ladies is on my far uh, left and right. They're singers. They actually sing um, with my church uh, on the praise team. Uh, they sing every week. So they're, they're regular singers. And I had um, uh, the first recording that I did of the song, I actually used singers from my church uh, to do the background vocals and stuff on it. The first recording that I did. But when I took this to Marcus, uh, I let Marcus do all the uh, creative everything on it. And actually, it was one young lady that did uh, all the parts. So she sang oh, the wow. different one late one lady sang all the different parts of the background. And we just got the uh, the young girls to represent the the different back parts of the song. Okay. Well, it came together really nicely. At first, I thought you were going to say that at the last minute, Marcus pulled his mom candy into the studio you know um, <laughs> i think i would have dropped dead if candy would have came and got in my video well you know I've, I've tried not to gush over the fact you know candy staten but we just have to, for a moment i mean what Candy's a career a have you gone back and listened to some of her earlier work from the 70s you know i did when um when she was my pastor I was like, oh, let me go hear what she used to do. And when I used to, and when I, I was like, whoa, wow, Pastor, because I always call her Pastor Candy. <laughs> well, did, when I did, you, <laughs> did you at one point after you listened, you go, Pastor Candy, you sang Young Hearts Run Free? <laughs> 
Yes, I did kind of have a moment like that. And, uh, it, you know, um, after I took my dad to the doctor, we went and had breakfast at a diner and Young Hearts, Young Free came on and I told my dad, I said, you know, that's Candy right there. He said, yeah, I know her voice. And, you know, that, that. and, um, and so, yes, uh, to me, I couldn't believe it when I, um, and, and, you know, when I got to know her, the first thing that I noticed when I met Candy was that how small and petite she is. And to me, I guess, in pictures, seeing her on television and stuff like that, she didn't, in, on television, she, to me, she never looked so small and petite, but in person, she's this little, tiny, little petite lady and just cute as I don't know what. And um, so, yes. Um, so many I'm performers they have that larger than life presence, you know, when they're performing. Yes. 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 That's that's no, really cool. I love Candy. I love her. Well, if you get a chance to tell Marcus to tell Candy that I'm a fan and I really love her music. Will do. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I, I'll I've been... her, I'll tell her myself. I'll you oh you tell her yourself because yeah, you've I'll got you've got the hotline to Candy. I do. I absolutely do. I talked to her a few weeks ago because she was considering she's considering doing a podcast. And she okay. asked me what I do the um, 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 voiceovers for the podcast. That would and be exciting. I, yeah, so I told her, absolutely. <laughs> so that would be exciting if she decided to do that. You know, I, I watched something on a YouTube, an interview with her, and she said she has probably a bigger following in Europe than she does in the United States. Correct. Correct. For some reason, I think that's always been the case. Yeah, but it's kind of cool. I remember she said something like, well, I, I put out this new record, so I called up Europe to arrange, you know, <laughs> some releases or some, you know, appearances. And I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, Candy just, you know, calls up Europe. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you do do the podcast, it, it sounds like the two of you uh, would have a lot to talk about. Yeah, uh, it would be maybe, very exciting. So maybe she'll need like an Ed McMahon, you know, someone kind of there to <laughs> kind of give 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 the the third party comments to the guest. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Well, so where do you go from here? You know, I want to give you the last word. I know this has been, you know, your your baby here. I feel your love. I know how much work goes into not only putting out a record, but a video, and it's out there now. You know, you must feel so great about that. But, you know, what do you, where do you want to go from here and, you know, with the song and with more music? Well, um, what I the biggest thing is I want to the... the the song to continue to get more exposure, uh, continue to do interviews and things and let people know who I am and let the song reach as far as it can. But also, I, I do want to complete a... Uh, I'm in the studio working on some more songs, but my ultimate goal uh, is to do a complete uh, album. And But the short term, I got um, a couple of songs that I'm working on now, and one of them I'm gonna do a video to both of the songs, um, but hopefully I can get one out really soon. 
And do you know the title of the next song you want to put out? Uh, I do, actually. The next song that I'm actually going to do is actually uh, uh, The Lord's Prayer. Okay. Uh, um, I was listening to, uh, what's his name? Andrea Bocelli. Mm-hmm. I was uh, listening, to, I saw him singing on a program, and I was so moved. I said, you know what? You know, my baritone voice, I was listening to him, and it just inspired me. You know, I just thought, you know, our Father, which art in heaven. It started stirring up my old, uh, I, I don't normally sing that way. And I was like, you know, I want to do that song. And I think that's something that I can do and put out a video uh, that I can do on um, fairly quickly. And so my desire is to get that song out next. And I was just so inspired by listening to him sing that it made, made me, I'm not an opera singer, but, uh, <laughs> you know, or have that voice, but it made me want to really do something that I felt like was in that community a little bit. And something that can show off your baritone. Yeah, exactly. Yes, something with my baritone <laughs> would be full, and uh, and not only, but not only that, but something that I can sing that I can feel. Uh, I love it when you sing a song. Not only you can feel. You know, I sang that song uh, at my uncle's uh, funeral, and um, they asked me to sing at the last minute, and I did that. And when I got back, um, we didn't, you don't know about this, but I was going through these uh, natural cancer treatments. And um, when they found out I had just sang in the film, they asked me to sing in, in the office where I was getting these treatments. And I started singing. Oh, wow. And I just, and I just watched how the people were moved. And one lady just went into tears. And it just goes back to what you said about the power, the power of music and how it has the ability to cut through everything. I don't, don't know that lady, don't know who she know who she is, don't know anything about her. I didn't even talk to her. So I don't know her name or anything. I just saw her sitting there getting her treatment and she was just in tears. My goodness. Well, you know, that's another thing I was you know, hearing Candy talk about, she uh, just uh, recovered from cancer a couple of yeah. years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So do, do, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, besides treatment, which, which, you know, she also had, you know, do you think the power of prayer, you know, is a big part of this healing? Yes. Candy actually prayed over me. Um, um, when she found out I was dealing with cancer, uh, we were in the studio. Um, I was coming in and she was leaving. And uh, and she prayed over me in the studio. And so that was very special. Mm -hmm. So for people who are going through this, you know, we talked about the healing power of music and prayer. You know, mm -hmm. what, what would you do now, you know, knowing what you've been through and, you know, witnessing other people, especially when sometimes all these things don't work? You know, how do mm -hmm. we still deal with this? How do you keep your faith, you know, it, you know, regardless of the outcome, 
you know, how do you still hold on to your faith? Well, one of the reasons, because I've had um, dealing with, I'm still dealing with prostate cancer. Uh, but last year I had surgery from a very aggressive cancer on my right kidney. Uh, the doctors thought they were going to have to remove my right kidney because the tumor was so large and they didn't want to risk spreading the cancer. And I asked the doctor to just do like an exploratory type thing and just go in and see if it was able to be removed. But from his years of experience, if he saw that it couldn't be, then, you know, then it was fine. So, but before I say that, so just the whole time leading up to my surgery, I was bathing myself in prayer and speaking over that when the doctor goes in, he would easily be able to separate it and remove it. And just as I prayed and asked God for, that's exactly what happened. When he got in, he was able to separate it, remove it, uh, uh, and it wasn't an issue. And when I woke up, they told me that I had both of my kidneys. Um, but the way that I keep, it's really more about having a genuine, uh, personal, authentic relationship with God. One that is ongoing, that you're actually pursuing, not necessarily being religious, but actually saying, you know, God is actually real. So I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to talk to him. I'm afraid of God. I'm going to acknowledge God and decisions and things that I do. Um, I grew up in a family that always, um, all of us were dreamers. And when I say dreamers, I mean that we would have dreams, uh, past, present, or future. So I can have a dream and can see something that I know absolutely nothing about and find out that it's actually really true. It's something that's going on or has happened. So before I started having these medical issues, I had a dream that something was getting ready to happen that I didn't know was going to happen. I actually was walking up a mountain down a very narrow path. and I, it was beautiful scenery all around me. And when all of a sudden there was like some shrubs in front of me in the dream. And I couldn't see what was in front of me. And my next step, I fell off of something that was like the Grand Canyon. And I was falling. And I looked down. I don't know how to swim. I've gotten swimming lessons, but I'm not a good swimmer. And I looked down. And I remember when I was in the military, when I had to prove I couldn't swim, they said, go all the way to the bottom of the water, pick yourself up, doggy paddle to the top, and then someone would get you and save you. But they added this part. If you fight us, we will let you drown. You're not going to kill both of us. So in the military, they said, if we fight, they will let us die. <laughs> so, but in the dream, I'm falling and I see this water. And that was my plan to just go to the bottom of the water and then kick myself up. Well, the amazing thing happened. I kept holding my breath, but the fall was so great that I didn't hit the bottom. I did it three times. And then when I wasn't holding my breath, that's when I hit the water. But the most amazing thing happened in the dream. Jesus was standing in the water and he caught me in his arms. And he let me down in the water. It was like I was floating on air. And then I stood up and the water was like waist deep. And 
I could see other people. I can see people in like tubes and stuff. But then I could see the beach, the shoreline. But then the water began to recede and the shore began to appear even more. And then I just walked to the shore. And when I turned around, Jesus was still standing in the water with his arms outstretched. And I woke up. And when I woke up from that dream, I knew that God was telling me something is getting ready to happen that you're not going to be expecting. But I got you. And I'll just say one thing after another happened after that. But through the, through the entire life, and this has been over the last four years, going on five, one thing after another has happened. But I've always had peace. Uh, I've never been afraid. Uh, I just, uh, and it's because of my faith, my trust in God, knowing that he got me no matter what life circumstances come at me, I can rest, I can have peace. Now you may have a moment where fear try to get on you for a second, but then you revert back to what you actually really know. Uh, and, and that's where it's very important to have a very real live, uh, thriving relationship with God so that when the storms of life do come, you feel secure. You're not worried. Even if I do die, that's not the worst thing that can happen to me because I believe in the afterlife. <laughs> mm -hmm. So even if it ends in death, that's okay. Because uh, I have eternity uh, with my Lord and Savior. So. Well, do you also feel like when you get a second chance like this, you know, when you're close, mm -hmm. you know, to death with a serial, serious illness, Mm-hmm. And, you know, you get a, a new lease on life. Do you feel that urgency of, wow, you know, I've got to do something with this time now. This is a second chance to maybe do a project I've put off. You know, how did that make you feel maybe more motivated to even do this song in this video? Um, yes. That's a great question. It's kind of like yes and no, kind of. Mm -hmm. To me, I've always had a very kind of serious side about life and how important it is and um, not to take things for granted. The sicknesses and illnesses, the cancers and things like that, yes, has made it even more relevant, made it even uh, more in my face. Um, but I, through this whole process, I've always felt like everything is going to be fine. You know, at the end of the day, I don't know the end result, but I just believe that all is well. So I can't necessarily say that it has made me more focus on like, I got to get this done. Um, because I feel like that's kind of who I am, <laughs> you know, I have this thing, like, that's one reason why I've always taken my, my walk with God serious is because, um, I believe that we all have a purpose and it takes, sometimes it takes so long 
to find out what that is, you know, with individuals. And I knew, I remember being in my 20s and I remember thinking, I want to take God serious now because I don't know what the future has in store. And when I'm faced with a storm, I want to face it with God. I don't want to be trying to get to know God when the storm comes. I want to already know him. That was uh, something that I thought in my 20s, and that's what I pursued. So, and and not perfectly by no means, because none of us are perfect. So I've made a lot of mistakes over the years, you know, trying to get where I am now. Um, but my focus was always trying to have a, a real relationship with God. And I feel like that's exactly what happened to me at this particular stage of my life when I had all of these uh, physical uh, medical challenges coming after me. I've already had a perspective of life is short, eternity. Uh, we have a purpose in life. We need to be doing that. So I don't think it necessarily changed me and made me, you know, look at, I got to get this done. Uh, I think I already kind of had that kind of mindset. Mm-hmm. Well, music is there to celebrate when things are, are good. Mm -hmm. You know, you celebrate, but then when things don't go so great and, and you're grieving, music is there for that too. I have to fight the thoughts that might come to me saying, that say, you won't be here. <laughs> you know, like, well, what if you don't make it? Then you can't uh, do any more of your music. And I'm like, no, 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 I got a long life in front of me. I got a, um, so I probably would have that thought or I'm thinking like that to, to oh, I got to get this done, da, 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 da. It's, my thought might would be how long, much longer do I have to live? Is my life, do I got a long life or is it going to be short? And I choose to believe that I have a long life in front of me. Uh, I'm not a young person anymore. Uh, but I do think there are many more years out there, and I want to do that, celebrating with my music, with spreading the gospel, and living my best life now. Mm -hmm. So what, what would you say at this point your main calling in life is? To preach the word of God and sing. That's my mm -hmm. main thing. Over the years, I've done a lot of serving uh, in ministry. Uh, I used to work for an anti-human trafficking organization uh, that rescue kids out of sex trafficking. I volunteered for them for years, and then I worked for them uh, for a while, um, uh, helping rescue kids out of sex trafficking. You know, every season of life, um, uh, you know, is different, and you just look at where you are now and where i am now in my journey i think is is to spread the gospel through word and song mm -hmm. well especially through song uh just to remind everyone this is albert artis with the song i feel your love a great video on the beach to it and lots of i think encouragement and hope you're giving people um, I'm just really uh, glad I got to talk about this with you. And I really do want to hear the new stuff when it comes out. What, what's the, the new one you're going to put out this year? The Lord's Prayer. 
the Lord's Prayer with that beautiful, booming baritone. (laughs) (laughs) So, well, Albert, um, like I said, really appreciate all this. So so good to hear that you're well and that you've got lots of uh, new dreams and new goals ahead of you. Yeah. Thank you so much. It is definitely an honor to be on your show. And I'm so glad for the invitation. Thank you so much.